Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Well, well, well. All right, my friends. This is what we will call Call from the Grave. These are a bunch of retrospective career lookbacks I've been doing over on my YouTube channel. Um, trying to grow the channel a little bit, look back at some old bands from the 80s, from the 70s, that kind of thing. So what I'm going to do is maybe on the Monday or Tuesday of every week, repost these. The sound quality will vary a little bit. It won't be quite as um, succinct as the normal podcast. And if you don't really like heavy metal, I'm not really sure what you're going to do with these ones. But what they are... It's just like a little bonus thing, maybe earlier on in the week. And I might expand them to discuss a few other things about music, about rock, about metal, that kind of thing. But what they are is just a career retrospective. I've been calling them Call from the Grave. So like I said, it'll be a Monday or Tuesday thing. Probably a Monday. There'll be a different band um, with me going over their career, looking back over their albums and their releases and that kind of thing. So let's do it. This particular one, I'll start them in order of how they appeared on my YouTube channel. If you want to go and take a look at them over and see my ugly face and some vinyl porn and whatever else, go and take a look over on the YouTube channel. But there, might as well post them here. Um, I could start another podcast for that. But look it, but look it. Let's just say they're bonus things on a Monday. Something like that. Anyway, the first one that I made was for the Swiss band Coroner. And so here it is. This is Call from the Grave, Volume 1, A Career Retrospective, My Guide to Coroner. Okay, let's do it. This is Alan from Primordial. Welcome to my YouTube channel. I'm going to make a few content videos. I'm looking back at careers of various bands, um, from mainly from the 80s. Not so much bands who would be peers of mine or whatever, but... Bands I would have been into when I was a kid. Um, I've been doing a series of columns for the magazine Zero Tolerance and Somewhere in Death Forever about, um, I guess, career retrospectives of, as I said, various bands called Call from the Grave. And now the traditional place to start would be, I suppose, your Slayers, your Metallicas, your Megadeths, etc. If I was clever and wanted more clicks, I would do them, but I'm not. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to start with Coroner from Switzerland. And just do a little discussion on what they meant. Look at their vinyls. Yes, it's an opportunity for me to 
show you some old vinyls. Um, and of course, who are you going to trust? Uh, somebody who wasn't there or somebody who speaks too fast explaining all these things? Maybe I speak too fast as it is. Coroner. The enigmatic coroner. Um, I suppose they were exactly that, an enigma. It's hard to get across. Uh, it's hard to get across now because uh, thrash, as it is now, is mainly um, in its modern incarnation. It's about young, skinny dudes with high cheekbones, boot runners, sort of garish shirts, identikit production values, and a, a sort of goofy sensibility um, that never takes it too seriously, itself too seriously. And that was not really how it was in 1987 or 1988. Surprisingly enough, whereas we could look at something like black metal and say that black metal got progressively more serious, more brutal, more um, violent in its imagery and took many of the things that it sang about ever more seriously, thrash in an odd way kind of moved in another direction. And that was that in 1987-88 you could find bands like Voivod uh, or Coroner, for example, um, that were these sort of dark, moody bands inspired by the political climate of the time. But by the 2000s, most of those bands, with the exception of maybe Vector, were kind of gone. And um, there was dark bands in 1987, uh, introspective, complex, and let's be straight, deep bands who thought about the world and had the aesthetic to match. Um, I mentioned Voivod, they fit the bill, but um, I suppose few fit the bill more than Coroner. Uh, their arresting aesthetic covers with the signature stripped down the side, which I'm going to show and look through some of the albums now. Um, and they're sort of brooding as a commentary, I said, on Cold War society and geopolitics. We're not easily, they weren't easily listening by any means. Um, um, but that, like I said, they weren't alone in the thrash world of 1988. Uh, now they would be on some lone island, as I said, with maybe only Vector and a few others trying to reach them. A precarious journey to uh, swim against the current and not be overturned on the, I don't know, the slipstream of the party thrash cruise ship. Something like this. So let's take a look. One look. I suppose the place to start is Death Cult. The demo. Um, this is a vinyl that apparently is limited to 150. Of course, I didn't have the original vinyl back in the time. I have this on CD as well. Um, and you can see by the band's imagery on the back, there was some form of Christian death via Samhain, Danzig, not Danzig, Misfits, sort of goth black horror thematic going on. Um, for some reason, Tom G. Warrior sings on it. I think I don't think Ron was too confident of his voice. Um, at the time, they were, you know, the, the famous story is that Coroner were Celtic Frost roadies. Uh, I'm not too sure about the word roadies because I don't know quite in 1986 where they were touring, but certainly I think Tommy was um, a guitar tech, as I understand. So the thing about this... I mean, I might jump ahead a few years, but this is Death Cult, The Rarities, is that it has two songs that appeared on Doomsday News 2, which is a compilation from 1988, which I can't seem to find on vinyl. But um, I have it somewhere. And so if you can track that down, that's where Coroner starts. It's a dark, 
gritty demo. It has an almost black thrash kind of feel to it. It's, um, again, very at odds, but very typical for 1986, very at, at odds about our view of a heavy metal now, and it's, or thrash metal now, and it's, it's, it's run through with this sort of element of neoclassicism to the guitar playing, which was to be one of Coroner's signature elements that you know, uh, place them very much at odds with the with some of the things at the time. You can hear a sort of influence of Ingve and Richie Blackmore, I suppose. Um, it's classic speed metal vibing, um, and what's clear is that you know, even just one cursory listen to that, and you can see Coroner were way ahead of the time with their instruments. Um, my introduction to Coroner, I suppose, was the Mass Jackal video, but. When you went back a year, you found R.I.P. And this is 1987. Um, and it's one of the, it's Harris John's recording. It's an absolute gem of a record. It literally bursts from the speakers with a sort of caustic, dark energy. Um, the cover itself is quite foreboding of what's about to come. Um, and I've done or will do some more of these video casts, but you'll see that very often I, I proclaim the first strike of one of these bands as their most vicious. And this is almost it. Um, the vocals are very much in the vein of Tom's in Frost and perhaps a little bit more black metal. But we can see, again, the neoclassicism of Tommy's guitar playing shining through very strongly. And it's one of the things that I love about 80s heavy metal is that the tone it's something that's missing from most modern heavy metal, but the tone is so specific to Tommy T. Barron. Um, whether you look at Millet's tone or Piggy's, Piggy's tone, Jeff Hanneman's tone, Gary Holt's tone, they, you could tell they were all using different instruments through different heads and different amps and a different combination of things. Like You can tell Tom Warrior's tone as soon as the feedback hit of Dethroned Emperor hits. And Coroner is no different. This has a, a very caustic, razor-sharp guitar sound. Songs like Toten Tants, R.I.P. Um, it's a minor masterpiece, in my opinion. It's not quite there, but um, if someone told me this was their favourite Corner album, I wouldn't disagree. Reborn Through Hate is um, an absolute stonewall. Stonewall banger. Um, but I suppose the album that introduced most people to them, I, I would give R.I.P., I don't know, if we're going to give them ratings, eight, eight and a half out of ten. Um, but it's Punishment for Decadence, which is the album that most people got introduced to the band. And this was because MTV was started playing, as I remember, the video from Mass Jackal, or remember, maybe it was VH1 or Sky Monsters of Rock, I think, the 80s video cable channel. And that's where I first saw Coroner. Um, and it's probably the album to start with. Punishment for Decadence comes with three different covers on the cassette, CD and vinyl, which was on the, which was I never really seen anything like that back in '88, and it's where I started with the band. Um, again, you know, you're it's got the moody sort of. Um, when I was a kid, for some reason, the artwork or the picture on the back sort of said something like the Doors' "Soft Parade" to me or something. I don't know why. I don't even know if that's still a relevant um, observation. But um, it's kind of the archetypal Coroner album. The artwork is breathtakingly dark. Songs fit the worldview. Mass Jackal, again, was shot in black and white. It's sort of moody, almost art house. Um, and at least as far as metal bands were concerned at the time, it stood out a mile and showcased 
a band in full appreciation of the darker side of life. They, life of life of life. They were called the Rush of Thrash. Um, I'm not sure they quite. I'm not sure that quite works, but I understand where people were going with it. Maybe Watchtower might have been a better idea, but Watchtower was, again, a pretty small thing, I suppose. Uh, the only thing I will say about Punishment for Decadence is, and maybe somebody's done it since, is that it needs a remaster. Um, compared, R.I.P. somehow seems more sonically dynamic than Punishment for Decadence. Um, now, probably there are modern reissue versions that I should go and check out that would negate that statement that I just made. But I would give Punishment for Decadence, if we're going to do this, a 9 out of 10. Um, it's it's where I started with Coroner. And it was very shortly after that that I joined the Death Cult Lodge, the Coroner fan club of the time. Uh, much the amusement of my and horror of my mother, uh, letters from the Death cult lodge started to arrive in the post she thought I'd join some sort of suicide cult um, you know who could blame her uh, and you know there was a I was member 190 or 200 and something and every you would get all these letters with um, had competitions and quizzes and all this kind of stuff um, I've never won anything I still have if while we're at it my death cult lodge T-shirt from the time. Uh, I had another one, but it fell to bits. And the, I guess, while we're doing this, the sticker of the time. And this is one of the things that they offered as a prize, uh, which was the Purple Haze Masked Jackal. I never quite understood the cover of Purple Haze that was on Punishment for Decadence on the cassette, just stuck on the end of side A. No real explanation. Never really understood that. Um, it's an odd choice. And this was when um, Coroner, we began to track down Coroner, uh, trying to find live footage or live videos of them. And there was the Thrashing the East show with Creator, Tankard and Sabat. And that was the first time many of us had seen Coroner. And it was a little bit strange to see this three-piece playing these sort of dark, moody songs on this huge stage. It seemed to be not where Coroner belonged. Um, it would have been ideal to see them in a small club of the time. Um, 1988, Punishment for Decadence. Yes, exactly. Um, and I think that No More Colour. Uh, again, the artwork, very striking and arresting. The strip along the side, which, you know, which is matte not gloss they just had an aesthetic that was very unusual for thrash and very different to what was happening at the time um, no more color is when I is just before I joined or around the same time I joined the death cult lodge the fan club um, and no more color picks up from where punishment for decadence left off uh, of course everything is uh, everything's lifted a notch the dynamism there's greater dynamism in the songs. The, the, the tone has a little tiny bit more brightness on it, which punches it through. Um, the aesthetic, of course, is unrelentingly bleak and dystopian. Like I said, the artwork to match. Tech metal like Watchtower and that kind of thing was breaking at the, at the time. But even that was hard to see. It was hard to see where Coroner fitted in as the 80s progressed. I mean, they were, I suppose, the contemporaries of Voivod at the time and on Noise Records. They were label contemporaries of the creators. Um, and Celtic Frost of this world. But um, 
RIP is maybe, I suppose, the pinnacle of Coroner's career. Career. Um, it would look, it would seem, looking back, they didn't tour excessively hard. They weren't backing up the bigger thrash bands. I never even saw their name mentioned as on some tour of the peripheries of Europe. Um, they were, they must have done, of course, but there was never a mention of, oh God, Coroner are supporting Creator or. It was as if they sort of did what they did and never really pushed it that hard, but yet at the same time put way more emphasis on the music. Um, this was, oddly enough, No More Colour was done with uh, Scott Burns, which was a strange choice. Um, recorded at Morrisound, Tampa, Florida, It's a, which is a really strange decision. I mean, all things considered, quite what they were influenced by to go to Morrisound at the time recorded in uh, Skytrack Studio West Berlin, which is, I think, where a lot of noise records bands went back then. Um, but quite why they did that, I don't know. But because it's pre most of the death metal that went to um, Scott Burns. Maybe I need to speak to one of them and ask them why. Who knows? Um, but I would give No More Colour. It's a solid 9 out of 10 again. I got to do it. But... The world was kind of changing for thrash metal around this time. And as we move into 1990, certainly, you know, again, 80, in 1988, um, the likes of Leprosy or 89, Slowly We Rot, Severed Survival, My List of Car and By Pestilence had come out in 88. Of course, of course, Scream Bloody Gore in 87. But the tape trading death metal thing was gaining momentum. And by 1990, even though it doesn't seem like it, thrash was kind of listing in the water. And um, 1991 was to prove, I suppose, D-Day for thrash. Death metal kind of came along and gave it a little sucker punch. And No More Colour would seem to be Coroner's sort of pinnacle, I suppose. Um, Mental Vortex is the next album. Again, the, the aesthetic, the strip. Um, a great record. Curious cover of the Beatles, I Want You, She's So Heavy. Um, despite my tastes now becoming very much aligned with black death metal, uh, underground tape trading. Coroner still had a very important place in my listening tastes. And I did and still do love uh, Mental Vortex a lot. It's um, The band is changing though. They're moving away from the sort of speed metal and the sort of darker roots and it's becoming a kind of groove kind of band. I sub I'm not sure what bands they were influenced by to move into this more um into this into this sound. I don't know if it was Trepan and Pal or something like this, but they started to move into this more groovy. Not groovy is not the right word. I'm not, you know, because it's a, that's a horrible connotation when it comes to 90s metal. But um, death metal was about to come along and kick a lot of this stuff into the touch. And Mental Vortex is the perfect, um, let's call it, end to the triumvirate of previous albums. If we consider RIP to kind of stand alone stylistically, um, Punishment for Decadence, No More Colour, Mental Vortex sit together as a sort of triumvirate. Um, and this is where I feel the wheels came off for Coroner commercially. It's, um, again, mixed at Mara Sound. Curious decision. Because by 91, 92, let's say 92, Mara Sound was beginning to become sort of old hat. I suppose death metal bands were discussing, oh, it's typically going to Mara Sound and all that kind of stuff. And Coroner must have been one of the last European bands to travel over there and use it before it sort of became, I suppose, 
obsolete in some ways. Not obsolete, but at least the trend had died down. Um, the world was changing, as I said, and the small niche that Coroner occupied wasn't enough to turn a penny, I suppose. And it seems clear that they never really, never really getting anywhere, you know, in the, in the, on those terms in this period, hasten the band's demise. Now, we have to put that into context. Getting somewhere now was quite different to the aspirations of bands to getting somewhere in the 1980s when bands were selling hundreds of thousands of records and there was money around and there was influence and input from record labels and big tours to be had and careers to be made. Whereas now, um, the aspirations, despite there being, well, until this last year, um, a very you know, strong festival circuit and touring circuit. I don't think, I think a coroner show, if it had happened here in 1991, would have had 200 people very much. Probably the same 200 people who would come now to see them. And so Mental Vortex sort of is the last gasp, which you can probably, it makes sense really when you consider where they went then, is the fact that I don't own a copy of Grin on vinyl. Grin came out in 1993. Oh, what would I give Mental Vortex? Um, let's give it an eight, eight and a half out of ten. Um, Grin, by 1993, I think, was the last gasp of the band and this scene. Um, the last straw, I suppose. I don't own it on vinyl. In fact, I've never even seen it on vinyl. I had, the, I had it on cassette, you know, but who carries all their cassettes around with them for 30 years? Me, I hear you say. Well, not me. Um... They grow, you know, Coroner was kind of left on the shore by the death metal scene. Thrash had sort of died away. And even by, um, I suppose, Mental Vortex, their speed thrash beginnings were moving in another direction. So a, new, a whole new generation of MTV friendly, let's say, Prong, Biohazard, Pantera, White Zombie, Sepultura, Cold Chamber, Roadrunner style metal was coming along to rule over everything. Groove metal. Um, and this was ruling the roost. And I, can, I, I would say Coroner hadn't really a hope of surviving on those terms. So they simultaneously lost their old fans and didn't gain new ones. Only a few years earlier, I joined the fan club and by grin, I had no interest um, when it came out and little or no interest in the direction they were heading in. Anecdotally, the band, as I understand, think this is their best album and were non-plussed when No More Colour was inducted into the Decibel Hall of Fame and play more songs from this album live than any other. Um, finally, I got to see them at Hellfest and unfortunately, most of the crowd was waiting for songs from the first two. Look, that's just the way the speed metal cookie crumbles. Grin is not a bad album per se, but it's an angular, arty, groove metal record. Um, despite still being cerebral and dark, but it just left the band stranded from the shore. And I, looking back, you'd wonder where commercially they fit in at all. Shortly after that, they split up. Um, one more sort of not really compilation came out called Coroner. Coroner in 95 uh, this is pretty good it has various outtakes instrumentals the odd cover interpretation um, without really it's got you know things like De Mussolini uh, sort of electronic moments um, it's really well sequenced despite not having much old stuff so it tells it it's really worth picking up if you can uh, I got it for like a pound back in the day which I suppose tells its own story there was various limited run singles of which like I said You've seen Purple Haze here with Mass Jackal on the other side. Um, and other things that I don't have. Um, a compilation called Autopsy, which I've never even seen, which came out in 2016 on Columbia of all labels. I don't know what that's about. Um, still haven't come across it to buy it or to collect it. But the band did reform and I finally saw them at a, you know, they play a few festivals. 
and I got my wish to finally see them and seeing the same three piece I'd worn the shirt for 20 years ago as an act of defiance uh, to the scene at the time. Well, uh, you know, Corner was kind of like the the in-house arty fuck you thrash band to like um, it was kind of saying you know look at the big brain on Brad style band to like and I love them I really did love them um, I was a clever young chap trying to go eh, to the likes of the Testament fans and the Acid Rain fans and the Slammers because Coroner were the intellectual overbearing answer to all the fluff and the nonsense and um, it may have been difficult for them at the time but you can hear their influence as we go through the years on Death, Atheist, Gorguts, all those kind of bands, and many more of the technical and musical death metal bands. Um, and their legend grew over the years. I saw more Coroner shirts at Hellfest than I somehow imagine the band ever sold in the year 1988. That's how it goes. Um, maybe, the ma- maybe the most underrated thrash band of them all? Maybe. I'd certainly hear the argument and probably agree and most definitely in the current dark climate the world is in right now. Uh, well, Mask Jackal and the back catalogue of Coroner seems to hit harder than ever. Nice, huh? What can I say? Coroner seems like a perfect small city state to try and escape to to avoid the plague. This is my appraisal of Coroner. I'm Alan Averill and this is Reborn Through Hate. Call from the grave. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. On Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com